Welcome to RUF. If this dies, I mean, y'all can hear me okay, but I think we're good. Welcome to RUF. If I've not had the privilege of meeting you, I'm Sammy. I'm the campus minister. And from really the start of the semester through spring break, we're doing this series we're calling How the Gospel Changes College, looking through the lens of the I Am Statements of Jesus. And tonight we're kind of following, if you were here last week, where Jesus said, I am the door. Uh, Tonight we're looking at I am the good shepherd, and to do that we're looking at John chapter 10, verses 11 to 21. So follow along with me, John chapter 10, verses 11 to 21. The Lord Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. And there was again a division among the Jews because of these words. And many of them said, he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? And others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Let me pray for us, and I want to get into what does Jesus mean when he says to us, I am the good shepherd, and particularly tonight we're looking at how the gospel changes contentment. Let's, let's pray first, though. Our Lord, we thank you uh, that you are the good shepherd. As some translations say, the beautiful shepherd, who uh, doesn't just care for your sheep, but you love your sheep, and we're willing even that we might know life and be protected from what our sins deserve and uh, the schemes of Satan and the gates of hell themselves, Lord, you did lay down your life for us. Lord, I pray that we would know you tonight as our good shepherd, that we would look to you, that we would hear your voice, that we would um, be, be led by you tonight. And that we would be led by you to see the great love as our beautiful shepherd that you have for us as your sheep. And Lord, I pray that you would do what you alone can do, which is to give us eyes to see and give us ears to hear. Lord, I pray that you would convict where we need to be convicted and comfort where we need to be comforted. We ask these things, Lord Christ, in your name. Amen. Thinking about contentment, one of the best things I've ever read describing discontentment or not contentment, is from a guy, David Pallison, who's no longer with us. He died of cancer a few years back. He was a professor, a writer, and a, a therapist, a counselor. And he wrote, and I've loved this for years, he wrote what he called Anti-Psalm 23. If you want to follow along, it's printed on your bulletin. But just listen to this as it describes maybe what your heart, if you're like me, has experienced in your lack of contentment in, this, in your life, in this world. Here's what he says, the anti-Psalm 23. Here's how he writes it. I'm on my own. No one looks out for me or protects me. I experience a continual sense of need. Nothing's quite right. I'm always restless. I'm easily frustrated and often disappointed. It's a jungle. I feel overwhelmed. It's a desert. 
I'm thirsty. My soul feels broken, twisted, and stuck. I can't fix myself. I stumble down some dark paths. Still, I insist. I want to do what I want, when I want, how I want. But life's confusing. Why don't things ever really work out? I'm haunted by emptiness and futility, shadows of death. I fear the big hurt and final loss. Death is waiting for me at the end of every road, but I'd rather not think about that. I spend my life protecting myself. Bad things can happen. I find no lasting comfort. I'm alone, facing everything that could hurt me. Are my friends really friends? Other people use me for their own ends. I can't really trust anyone. No one has my back. No one is really for me except me. And I'm so much all about me, sometimes it's sickening. I belong to no one except myself. My cup is never quite full enough. I'm left empty. Disappointment follows me all the days of my life. Will I just be obliterated into nothingness? Will I be alone forever, homeless, free-falling into void? Sartre said, hell is other people. I have to add, hell is also myself. It's a living death, and then I die. Welcome to RUF. <laughs> I love that because it describes, I think, in, in very stark ways, what sometimes we feel when we forget what it means that Jesus is our good shepherd, and we feel often in this world that we're alone and nothing is going our way, and we don't live and experience Psalm 23 and the fullness of the good shepherd. And what I want to do tonight is simply think about what does Jesus say to us when he says he is the good shepherd, that he is our good shepherd, our beautiful shepherd, just two, two ways I want to do it tonight. First, I want to look at how it changes the way that we see ourselves, and second, I want to look at it at how it changes the way we see Jesus. Pretty simple tonight. I want to look at how it changes the way that we see ourselves, and second, how it changes the way that we see Jesus, and I think in both you'll see that this is the path, this is how the gospel invites us into a deeper, more restful type, more joyful type of contentment. And let me say on the front end, I'm greatly helped by David Jones. He's a PCA pastor in Palo Alto, California. But first, it changes the way that we see ourselves. Jesus, I don't want to, well, let me just do it this way. Jesus picks up on a common Old Testament theme, which is the Lord calling us sheep, his sheep, uh, his flock to be brought into his fold. That's why we did Isaiah 53. We are all like sheep. We have gone astray. And part of God's work in redeeming us is bringing us back into his fold. But when you think about it, if we're being honest for a second, if you're like me, I don't really love to think about myself as a sheep. It's a little offensive, if I'm being honest. If you know anything about sheep, they are really, really dumb animals. They are completely helpless, apart from a shepherd. Uh, think about it this way. There's no such thing as wild sheep. Like You don't, you don't come across sheep in the wild. Because they can't survive on their own. Uh, we could try it another way. If I were to ask you what your spirit resonates most animal-wise with most animal-wise, maybe you would say wolf. Maybe you'd say lion. Maybe you'd say game. I don't know. Maybe you'd say gamecock. I can promise you what you wouldn't say is sheep. You're like that. That is what my spirit resonates with the most. It's how I see myself. Uh, think about it like this. In, in political rhetoric, maybe you've heard some of this, especially on the margins, people are saying all the time, don't be a sheep. Don't be a sheep and follow the herd. Be an independent thinker. Fight for yourself. And yet Jesus says to you and to me, I lay down my life for the sheep. I know my sheep, and they know me, and I have yet more sheep 
to gather into my fold. He sees us as sheep, spiritually helpless, spiritually not that bright, in need of a shepherd. And that's the first question for you is, do you see yourself that way? Do you see yourself as a needy, helpless, not that spiritually bright sinner in need of a shepherd? Uh, The only song, I've written one song in my life, not a music guy, but I'm I'm, I'm in seminary, I'm interning at a church, uh, Uptown Christ Covenant at the time, and like a lot of church interns, you kind of got thrown into the things that no one else wanted to do. And we were on a church retreat this one weekend, and I got tasked with leading essentially the VBS, leading the, the children's care. And I was supposed to do some lessons, and one of the lessons was John 10 on the Good Shepherd. And so I wrote this little song. That, <laughs> I'm not going to sing it for us, but I will give you the tune because the tune is pretty catchy if I, if I say so myself. It went like this We, we, <laughs> we are all sheep. And Jesus is our shepherd. We are all sheep. And Jesus is our shepherd. I am singing it. And all the sheep go ba 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 ba. All the sheep go ba ba ba. All the sheep go ba 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 ba. All the sheep go ba ba ba. You keep right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is me being incredibly vulnerable. <laughs> so I'm leading that with the kids. We're doing this little sing song. I'm pretty proud of myself as a seminary student. It's my one. It's my one bop. That's my one hit. And here's the reality, though. Uh, In seminary, I was living much less like a sheep and much more like a lone wolf. What do I mean by that? Uh, I had friends, but my pride kept me from sharing my deepest struggles with them. Uh, I was married, but I very much still wanted to hide and kind of keep self-protect, keep things to myself. Uh, I dressed the part. Wore little bow ties to class of a respectable Southern seminary student, but there were chunks of my life, parts of my story, uh, that I was not, I was scared to, to, to trust Jesus, much less tell anyone or talk to anyone about, and it felt safer to me, and I imagine you might relate, to be a lone wolf, to kind of live you know, to do the facade of what it looks like to be a Christian, but to really keep things back. Uh, we can be honest. It's hard to be a sheep in a world that tells you to be a lone wolf. It's hard to be a sheep, to see yourself as needy, to see yourself as helpless, to see yourself as needing a shepherd. You know, we think, trust no one, look out for number one. That, that is a constant message that we hear on campus and in this world. And here's what I love. Okay, yeah, sheep are not the brightest animals, except there is this one thing that sheep have that no other animals have. And Martin Luther brings this out beautifully. He says it like this. He says, a sheep is a notoriously dumb animal with one exception. It has this trait above all other animals that it soon learns to heed its shepherd's voice, and it will follow no one but its shepherd. It always knows enough to keep close to its shepherd and to look to him for help. And this is the most intelligent instinct of all. The gospel frees you and me to admit what we're most afraid of. That again, spiritually speaking, we're not that smart. We really desperately need help. That if left to our own devices, we are going to go astray. 
And we're going to get ourselves into situations that we can't get ourselves out of, that we need someone to come find us and bring us back into the fold. Another way that we could say it is, to see yourself as a sheep is to see your need for the good shepherd, Jesus, and to trust the good news that he sees you, that he wants you, that he's not turned off by needy, helpless people. In fact, that's exactly who he's come for, you and me, needy and helpless, and that he gets you. And he gets me. He understands you. And he understands me. And it is his joy to, to put you over his shoulder and bring you into his fold. He sees us and he wants us, sheep like you and me, in his fold. That's what he's come for. I mentioned last week that every year on my birthday, I watch uh, Mad Men's The Suitcase, the best episode of all time. There's a second, though, that I always watch, too. It's Bojack Horseman. It's, if you've seen that show, it's the funeral monologue. It's where he's, his mom has died, and he presents... The whole episode is just his, his eulogy to his mom. And it's incredibly powerful to me for lots of reasons. You have to see the show. There's just one part that just gets me every time where he says this, this idea that we long to be seen. He says this. He's, he's talking about being in the hospital with her in her dying moments. And he says this. He says, I was in the hospital with her those last moments, and they were truly horrifying full of nonsensical screams and cries, but there was this moment, this one instant of strange calm, where she looked in my direction and said, I see you. That's the last thing she said to me. I see you. Not a statement of judgment or disappointment, just acceptance and the simple recognition of another person in a room. Hello there. You are a person, and I see you. Let me tell you, it's a weird thing to feel at 54 years old that for the first time in your life, your mother sees you. It's an odd realization. This is what gets me. It's an odd realization that that's the thing you've been missing. The only thing you wanted all along, to be seen. To see yourself as a sheep is to know that Jesus sees you and he wants you, and he moves toward you to bring you into his fold. And the second thing I want you to see is how we see Jesus, how, how the gospel changes how we see Jesus, how thinking about Jesus as the good shepherd changes how we see him. And there are really just two big things that I want you to see. Here's the first. Is that the kind of shepherd Jesus is, is he's not the kind that drives us to the slaughter, but instead he's the kind that leads us, sometimes through the valley of the shadow of death, but always leading us, always, always, always leading us to green pasture where we will find life to the fullest. This is pointed out. John Stott tells a story. John Stott, famous Anglican writer, preacher. He tells a story of being in a tour guide in Jerusalem. And his tour guide was making this point. They're on a bus. They're kind of driving through the city. And the tour guide is making the point that in the Middle East, in Jerusalem, shepherds lead the sheep. They never drive them. They lead them. They lead them by their voice. They lead them in gentleness. They lead them with care. They lead them in love. And as they're on this tour bus, they come across this guy. This looks like a shepherd, and he is beating from behind the sheep with a stick. And he's just going at it, just beating them mercilessly. And they're like, you just told us that shepherds lead the sheep. They don't drive them and beat them. And he's like, hold on. Maybe I've got things wrong. Stop the bus. Let me go see what's going on over here. They stop the bus. He goes over. And speaks in Arabic to the guy for, you know, five minutes, comes back on the bus, and he says, ah, that wasn't a shepherd, that was the butcher. What I want you to see about Jesus is that he never drives us. 
He always leads us. Satan has a driving voice. That voice says, no one really loves you. You're too far gone. Uh, There's no hope for you. You're never really going to change. Here you are again. Look at you. Here you are again. You're a failure. Give up. It's hopeless. And yet the good shepherd, speaking through his word and spirit, always leads us. And his voice says things like, I love you. You are mine. You're never beyond my reach. My grace is always sufficient for you. If you're in me, if you're trusting in me as your good shepherd, there is no condemnation for you. All I have for you is love and grace, and I'm leading you. And he says to us, come unto me and find rest for your souls, for I am gentle and lowly of heart. I was thinking about this, I was with a friend a few weeks ago, and I was essentially confessing some sin. I was confessing this moment of failure, and in the most gentle way, he asked, what do you think you were looking for that you don't already have in Jesus? And in that moment, he was shepherding me, gently, inviting me back to Jesus. This is where we begin to learn contentment. Jeremiah Burroughs, if you've ever heard of an old Puritan, he wrote this little book called The Rare Jewel of Christian Contentment. And he said it like this, just track with me for a second. He said, contentment is not by addition, but by subtraction. And here's what he says. It's not by addition, it's by subtraction. Seeking to add a thing, this is how we typically try to get content, seeking to add a thing will not bring contentment. Instead, subtracting from your desires until you are satisfied only with Christ brings contentment. Now, don't mishear that. It doesn't mean all our desires are bad. It just means ultimately Jesus fulfills them in a way uh, that is most lasting and most beautiful. And the question for you and me is how do we get there? How do we get there where we are satisfied in Jesus and him alone? And I think the way that we get there is to see instead what Jesus, this is the second thing I want you to see, that, to see what satisfies Jesus to see what satisfies the good shepherd, to see what brings him the deepest joy. And this is where over and over again in our text, he's, he's saying it to us. It's a little strange. He keeps saying to us, I am the good shepherd who lays down my life for the sheep. All right, on the face of it, he's saying what a good shepherd does is he's willing to risk his life to protect the sheep. We could think about David, King David in 1 Samuel 17, where he's talking to Saul, and he says, your servant was tending his father's sheep, and when a lion or a bear came... Uh, I went out after it and attacked it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. And when it rose up against me, I grabbed it by its mane and I struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and the bear. And we can say, man, that's someone who really cared about his sheep. He was risking his life to protect the sheep. And the Lord Jesus is that and so much more. Because the Lord Jesus doesn't just risk his life. He lays down his life. He gives his life. Not to protect us from lions and bears, but to protect us from what our sins deserve. To protect us from hell itself and the schemes of Satan themselves. Why? It's not just because he cares for the sheep. It's because he loves loves his sheep. Think about it like this. Think about how many sheep have died for the life of the shepherd. Bad shepherds. 
false shepherds. It's a theme in scripture. It's part of what Jesus is doing. He's speaking against religious leaders. We looked at that last week where he's saying you don't really care about your people. You just care about yourself and you use your people to better yourself. And Jesus is saying, not me. It's not your life for mine. It's my life for yours. You've heard of sheep being slaughtered for their shepherds, but let me, let me show you a good shepherd who sacrifices himself for his sheep, who dies that his sheep might live. Why? Because he sees lost sheep like you and me, and he goes after us, and he brings us into his fold that we might live and know his green pasture. One of my, I'm a big, I'm a, I'm a big hymn guy. I think I can say that. RUF's a big hymn ministry. And one of my very favorite hymns of all time is drawing on John 10. It's from Isaac Watts. It's called, My Shepherd Shall Provide My Need. And whenever we would sing it in Statesboro, Georgia, it would just melt me every time because we would sing it. You're talking about, my shepherd shall supply my need. He knows me and he loves me and he wants me. And that last verse says this. Here's the image that I love. The last stanza says, Your sure provisions, gracious God, attend me all my days. O may your house be my abode and all my work be praise. Here would I find a settled rest while others go and come. No more a stranger. No more a stranger nor a guest, but like a child at home. Do you remember what it was like to be a child at home? I watched my youngest just just yesterday, just with her dolls, her Barbie dream house, just settled. And that's what our Good Shepherd has for us, a settledness in his love for us. Our Good Shepherd sees you. He loves you. He came for you. And he's leading us out of anti-Psalm 23 into the contentment of Psalm 23. And let it wash over you. He leads us to be able to say with David, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. All the days of your college experience at USC. All the days of wherever the Lord takes you beyond here. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. To admit you are a sheep is not an easy thing to do. You can't do it except by God's grace in your life. But to be the sheep of the beautiful shepherd, the good shepherd, Jesus. To be seen by him to be led by him, to be loved by him. Friends, there is no greener pasture in this world than in the fold of this shepherd. Let's pray. Our Lord, may it be so. Uh, Would you give us...
the humility to admit our need, our need for you, our need for Christian friends, our need for community, our need for the church. Would you do that in us? And Lord, would you give us the joy? Let us let our hearts sing Psalm 23, that to know you as our good shepherd who laid down your life for us because of your great love for us, for your sheep. Lord, may we find our rest tonight in being yours and being your sheep and in knowing your great love for us. We pray these things, Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen. Please stand and sing our last song. Also, I want to apologize for, for singing to us. We'll talk about it after. Let's stand and sing this song, though, just to get that out, to wash the palate.